0: Welcome to the First Century Youth Ministry Podcast. My name is Heather.
1: And I'm Mark, and we are your co-hosts.
0: And we're here to take a look back into the Jewish roots of our faith.
1: For the way forward in youth ministry discipleship.
0: This podcast is a part of the Youth Cartels Podcast Network. Hey friends, welcome back to the show. It's Heather here. And Mark's going to be leading our discussion today. We're taking a little bit of an interlude, a fun little discussion about the suffering servant from the book of Isaiah. So, Mark, are you ready to hop into this conversation for today?
1: Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> well, let's let's start in the Gospels, okay? In yeah. Mark 8, 27 through 38, we have this passage where Jesus takes his kiddos to Caesarea Philippi, right? Yeah, sure. And it's the shortest version we have of the story is in Mark. And he starts to say some just real things to them about what the role of the son of man is actually to do and be. And it's not what any of them are expecting, right? They're expecting, well, you're the Messiah. So you're going to be king and you're going to be a ruler, Right? right and yeah. Jesus goes the complete other way and interprets his life and his mission very much in terms of a suffering servant that we yeah. see in the book of Isaiah. So we're just going to backtrack that and talk about what it means to be a follower of Jesus who has our own learners and take the way down for them. Does that sound wow. fun? Let's go for it. Cool. So it says in Mark eight twenty seven, Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi, a little different than Matthew. On the way, he said to them, who do people say I am? So he asks his learners, what's the, what's the here's an old word for us, what's the scuttlebutt about Ooh. me around, you know, what are people saying? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others yeah. say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets, which I don't know about you, Heather, but I've read over that like so many times in my life without stopping to say, huh, they just rattled off a handful of dead guys. Right. (laughs) Like, like, isn't that weird? Sure. Like it's the most natural thing imaginable. Yeah. But every option they listed is someone that would have come back from the dead if you were them. Isn't that far out?
0: Which they thought
1: was legit. Yeah. 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 And there are textual reasons for that in the Hebrew okay. Bible. But I mean, I just think that's fascinating. I've read right over that. And Jesus says, well, what about what about you guys? Do you mm. think of John the Baptist or Elijah or one of the old prophets like Isaiah or Jeremiah?
0: Yeah, or what's Ezekiel? the scuttlebutt?
1: Right. Yeah, what's the scuttlebutt? And Peter answered. <laughs> <laughs> Peter hey, can, answered, I just,
0: can I just yeah. say that if I were to open a pizza place, I think I'd call it Caesarea Philippi.
1: Ooh, that's hilarious!
0: <laughs> I don't know why. It just sounds so, so fitting, doesn't don't you think? I,
1: lo- I love that. Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay, that's that hilarious. had nothing to do with anything. All right, let's get back to the story.
1: It doesn't, but do you know what? For years, I've told my wife that I want to start an Asian-Egyptian fusion restaurant and call it "Walk Like an Egyptian." Oh, you know from the Bengal nice. song. Nice. Yeah. Anyways. So Jesus says, who do you guys think I am? <laughs> and Peter says, you're the Messiah, you're Mashiach, the, the promised Messiah, yeah. which is the king from the Davidic line, right? That's right. what he's yeah. saying. Yeah. And Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. So that's Weird. a thing again and again in Mark. It, yeah. They call it the secret gospel in Mark. Yeah. Someone will figure out who he is, whether it's a disciple or a demon, and it will be like, yeah, yeah, now don't tell anyone.
0: Right. Okay? Yeah. So- Look, do you know that why that? Term, like, do you know why that is? Like Jesus doesn't want
1: people to know about him. I have I have a couple of um, good guesses based on other nerdy antique literature, but we should yeah. do it another time because okay. it, it would be a long tangent. Got it. Um, mainly because it's me and I'm not very good at short tangents.
0: So y'all just hang on for another episode on.
1: What Jesus is talking about. On the secret gospel in Mark. Okay, so look at this turn we take, though. Peter says, basically, you're the Davidic king. You're the Messiah. Yeah. And here's the turn. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. And then the Greek doubles down on it. It says, he told them plainly about this, or he spoke this idea plainly to them. They couldn't miss it. Yeah. And so much so they couldn't miss it that Peter pulls him aside and he's not having it, right? He, he yeah. began to rebuke him. And it says, Jesus turned around, looked at his disciples and rebuked Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. Not a good day to be a disciple. Not a right? good day. Yeah.
0: <laughs> not not says, a good day to have be here.
1: Yeah. No, not at all. Um, uh, I love Peter. I think I've been there. And uh, he said, you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. So think about that. You want an earthly king like an earthly human would expect. Well, let's take over and enact our way on the world. And for Jesus, the things of God are that for some reason, the son of man sent to the world has to suffer and die, hmm. has to take the way down. And then he continues and says, if anyone wants to follow me, you should do the same, right? You should, you should be ready to pick up your cross and die too. And my question is, like as I read this text, why? Why did Jesus see that part of his fundamental personhood and mission was that he ultimately had to suffer and die. For Jesus, that's what it means to be Messiah. And that's what no one was expecting, right? Yeah. I mean, how many times, youth pastors, have you taught a group of students or adults and said, and no one expected that the Messiah would have to suffer? That was mm-hmm. a new deal, right? Yeah. Well, or how Jesus many times? Is... Oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead.
0: Well, I was just going to say, in how many times have we thought that we're not supposed to suffer in ministry?
1: Yeah, yeah, and we, yeah, and we feel it's like it's supposed to be up to the right.
0: Yeah, it's supposed to be this great like dance on the mountaintop, and this great like oh, the kids just thought I was the best thing yeah. ever with the message and the whole nine yards. And sometimes ministry just, for lack of a better term, it stinks, man. It does. It's hard, yeah.
1: and it, and it feels like dying to yourself, putting yeah. yourself second. And a lot of times, as a youth pastor, there's a whole nother layer of feeling like you're working just as hard as anyone and not being yep. taken like seriously as a teacher for and real it just couldn't be farther from the truth
0: yeah you know? i've heard so many youth pastors say you know the people in my congregation they keep asking me when are you going to become a real pastor <laughs> yeah <laughs> right
1: yeah. that's that is literally the least favorite question of everyone who works with students yeah and you know in our head, we're constantly thinking, I don't know. Maybe when I decide to be less like Jesus, because, you know, Jesus, yeah. would, Jesus would be leading these students around, not the for born real. adults. Anyways. So why does Jesus think this, though? Why does he think he must suffer? It's because, well, he took a page from Lois Tiverberg and he knows he knows his Hebrew Bible. Yeah. He's interpreting Isaiah 40 through 55, specifically several sections about this mysterious servant of Yahweh, or sometimes you'll hear it called the suffering servant passages or songs. And the most famous one is in Isaiah 53, right? Yeah. Um, Let me just read it to us real, real quick. He grew up before him, like before God, like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. And he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering, familiar with pain, Mm. like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. And then look at this turn. So basically you have someone with no charisma that no one wants to be around, that everyone wants to get away from. Mm-hmm. And it says, surely he took up our pain. He bore mm. our suffering. Yet we considered him punished or cursed by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And on and on it goes, saying again and again, two things. One, that the suffering servant, whoever Isaiah is writing about, suffers unjustly, like he mm-hmm. didn't deserve the punishment that he gets, and he suffers vicariously, which is a big word to just say, his suffering is on the behalf of someone else. It's for us in the mm-hmm. same way A Passover lamb dies so that the wrath of God passes over. This suffering servant will suffer for our sins, for our iniquities. Now, people, this is a confusing passage. People didn't know what to do with it. Well, sure. Time. I mean, wouldn't
0: you be sitting there thinking to yourself, okay, Jesus just dropped the bomb. He just, you know, said, okay, you're right, Peter. I'm the Messiah. It's it. And then you would think that his next response would be, let's take him down. Right? Like, but instead he says, yeah, I'm going to suffer and die. And they're like, well, wait, wait a minute. This ship just turned the wrong way. (laughs)
1: Right? Yeah. And this is the thing. There's a huge discussion since this text gets written in Isaiah all the way to Jesus about what in the heck fire is this servant of Yahweh. And there are basically three options option Mm -hmm. one is it's Israel. It's a stand in for Israel and somehow Israel suffers on behalf of the world, but it doesn't really pan out very well. Mm -hmm. And another option is Isaiah or one of the prophets. So like maybe Isaiah is writing about himself and the plight that it is to be a prophet to Israel. And, um, at least according to some fun stories from the lore of, of Judaism, it didn't always turn out well for prophets. Yeah. Right? So maybe is, it's Isaiah. Yeah. Oh, go ahead.
0: No, I was just saying, which is actually true in general. I mean, really in the biblical narrative, things didn't always yeah. turn out great for the prophets.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, the third option that snowballs up to the time of Jesus is that in some way, the suffering servant is going to be the Messiah mm. that in some way, this promise of a Davidic king, there's there's going to be a Messiah that suffers. And yeah. the problem was this tension of, well, are we going to get a ruler or a king like Peter wants, mm-hmm. or are we going to get a suffering servant like Isaiah says? And it was so baffling. And there was such discussion that at the Dead Sea Scroll like, text, they write of two Messiahs, one that will come and be king and a conqueror, and mm-hmm. one that will come and be a Messiah that suffers. Yeah. Here's why I think this is so cool, okay, and so practical. uh mm-hmm. Jesus takes all of this discussion about the text. So he knows the text of Isaiah. He knows the difficulties and the discussion and the tradition about those texts. And he mm-hmm. weighs in on it right here.
0: Mm-hmm. What does
1: the son of man do? He suffers in just yeah. a little bit. Mark ten forty five, He says, the son of man came not to save or to serve to be served, but to serve mm-hmm. and to give his life as a ransom for many. Yeah. This is how Jesus fundamentally understood who he was and what he was here to do. And first of all, youth pastors, anyone that says Jesus was just a great ethical teacher is falling far short of what Jesus just told his disciples and how he envisioned his life and his purpose. I don't know about you, but God has not asked me to die for the sins of the world or the sins of many. Yeah. So there's something uniquely beautiful and necessary about Jesus and his work. But now think about practically. Mm -hmm. If we follow Jesus with all our heart, just like a disciple, and we go after who he says to be in the world, how he says to move in the world, what he says to teach in the world, what does it mean to pick up our cross and die, to suffer On behalf of the students we serve, because sometimes youth ministry, it really feels like dying to yourself, doesn't it, Heather? Oh, 100%.
0: You know, I I can't think of very many times when the thankfulness that often came to maybe senior leadership came to the youth ministry leadership. Right. It's because you with with adults, they're much more quicker to say thanks. And I get it. Adults are a tough cookie, too. For senior pastors out there, I get it. Adults can be real jerks as well. But
1: yeah, but what are you doing here? Our show isn't for you.
0: Oh, yeah, that's
1: right. Sorry. I'm smiling, everyone.
0: (laughs) Um, You know, but but in the youth ministry world, you don't get too many thanks because when it comes to kids, they're not really quick to say thank you. And um, But but one important thing I think, you know, Mark, when we're talking about this suffering servant is, I mean, the reality is that, is that Jesus fulfills both role of or the, all the roles of prophet, priest and king, right? He is yeah. the king yeah. and he's going to come back, right? As King Jesus yeah. riding in, you know, and there's going to be a war and all that kind of thing. But Jesus came first, not in that way. He came first to show us how to die, right? And that's the interesting yeah. thing about the ministry of Jesus. It's not this ministry of take the hill, you know, it's this ministry of love the people at the bottom of the hill and walk up with them in a way that is transformative and that restores people.
1: Yeah. Do you know, I remember being a a young gun, like really green youth pastor um, on one of the first trips I took with my kids. And I specifically remember when dinner was served Mm. and I realized, oh, I need to go last. Yeah. And then I thought, I always need to go last forever. And that was a huge shift in my heart because I think, you know, I loved God and I followed Jesus and I wanted to teach others to do the same. And Mm -hmm. I loved working with students because it was fun. But there was this real turn in my heart that, that realized, like, you have to put these kids ahead of your own interest from here on out. And, can and I, that's what, that's what it is.
0: Yeah. And I want to add, you need to put the parents of the kids and your youth leaders yeah. ahead of yourself yeah. too. And when I was real green and young, I was intimidated by youth leaders who I felt like might be liked more than me. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't quick to put them in front of the kids or have them do more. And I recognize that, no, a good leader actually leads people, not stuffs them down.
1: Right? Yeah. What. Um, which is funny to hear because my leaders have always been cooler than me. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm always short and nerdy, and then there's always this like, you know, athletic leader with the body of Adonis that all the kids right? like better. But I do yeah. the best I can. <laughs> I get that. No, but I, I think you're so right though. Modeling taking the weight down for yeah. entire families yeah. and for um our volunteers, like how are we going to tell them to go and put themselves second for servants if, or for students if we're not putting ourselves second for them? Right. Yeah.
0: yeah, man, this has been the journey that God's been taking me on the past few years is teaching me how to love and care for the least of these. I was reading in the gospels today about a parable that Jesus tells, um, about some guys who invest their money, right. For this, uh, for the, for the, for the landowner. And one of them you know really puts work the money to work and it brings back interest and you know Jesus responds in the parable by saying hey you've been faithful with a little here's 10 cities and i just think to myself i'm like maybe there's a youth leader out there you've got 5 kids 10 kids 15 kids in your youth group and you're yeah. wondering if you're making a difference and maybe Jesus is just asking you to be faithful And to suffer, it's not to suffer, right? I mean, really, you get to love kids, but maybe it is a bit of suffering because it's hard and it's humbling. And, you know, Jesus just simply asks you to be faithful.
1: That's really good. Yeah.
0: Youth Pastor, I hope you've been encouraged by this week's podcast. You've learned a thing or two, something you can put in your back pocket to take with you. So we just want to remind you that we've got a super sweet parables cohort coming up right around the corner launching on october the 7th we're going to be meeting uh, with those of you who get signed up for six weeks on thursdays at 2 30 p.m eastern standard time if you want to get signed up for that it's not too late to do that go to first century youth ministry.com go to the parables cohort tab and get registered. It We're doing it's $100 or name your own price. We just want to make more friends. And so come hang with, out with us for six weeks and learn a thing or two about the parables of Jesus from a first century perspective. So, Jeez. friends, thanks for joining us for the show. And we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye, everyone.